In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Please be seated. Yesterday I was at an event at the Church of Calvary St. George's downtown. And at lunchtime, I sat next to a woman who I didn't know, um, but she seemed familiar with the place. And so in conversation, I asked her if she was a part of that parish. No, she said, I used to be, but I moved to Brooklyn. She went on to say that occasionally she revisits Calvary St. George's again, and occasionally she goes to the church in her own neighborhood, but she said it doesn't offer much. And so she visits around. As she talked about the churches that she frequents, it soon became clear to me that pretty much everyone falls short. (laughs) She mentioned a church that's famous for its music. It has amazing music. And she said it can often seem very cold and impersonal. I said to her, well, whenever I'm there, you know, even if nothing else is really working, the music itself sort of transports me to God. And she said, yeah, but sometimes it's just a performance, and you can tell. <laughs> she went on to name a couple of other churches, and then I remembered that she lived in Brooklyn. And I said, well, you know, there's a new rector at Grace Church in Brooklyn Heights, and I hear great things about him. You might want to try that sometime. Oh, no, she said, that place is far too liberal for me. I couldn't go there. And then she said, you know, it's like Scripture says, they shall wander from sea to sea, from north to east. They shall run to and fro, seeking the word of the Lord, but shall not find it. Well, I was impressed with her command of Scripture. And in a rare moment of recall, I was able to suggest, yes, but scripture also says, (laughs) the word is very near to you. It is in your heart and upon your lips. So then we talked about the sandwiches. (laughs) That poor woman I met yesterday struck me almost as a character in C.S. Lewis's book, The Great Divorce, that we're reading and discussing on Sundays at um, at 10 a.m. Um, this woman seems not very happy in this life, and uh, chances are she's going to have a hard time being happy in the next one. That lunchtime conversation yesterday and, and today's scripture Um, reminded me of an interview some years ago by Bill Moyers with the legendary world religion historian Houston Smith. Smith had spent much of his life traveling the world, learning other languages, studying with gurus and spiritual teachers, praying in just about every possible way one could imagine. And so Moyers asked Smith, what he did for his own spiritual practice. Smith's answer was surprising. He said, well, when I'm home, I go to the United Methodist Church around the corner. (laughs) Moyers looked at him, you know, sort of wondering, you know, after all that you've seen and all that you've done and everywhere you've traveled, how can you, how can you be content in just the local church? 
Lynn Smith quoted an Indian teacher who said simply, if one wants to find water, one does better to dig one very deep hole than to dig many shallow ones. Now, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not for a second suggesting that you should never visit other churches or other tr- religious traditions. Far from it. Uh, visit them. Learn from them. Bring back things that we could do better, things that perhaps we miss in our own practice and perspective. But also come back. Come back and give thanks for the many ways in which we do experience God's presence right here. In today's gospel, Anna and Simeon recognize Jesus as the Messiah, God's unique expression in the world, partly because they're there. (laughs) They're present through long, slow-forming habits of showing up, of being open to God's changing and saving grace, of being open for God's ongoing revelation. They recognize this new light that is Jesus Christ. Today is called the Feast of the Presentation of Our Lord Jesus Christ in the Temple. And the Gospel, if you'll notice, doesn't pay much attention to the Temple itself. It's not about a building. It focuses on the people involved. It focuses on Jesus, the the flesh and blood baby, now 40 days old, who's brought to the Temple for a blessing. It focuses on his mother Mary who comes for her traditional blessing. And then the bulk of the gospel involves this wonderful reaction and response from holy Simeon and the prophetess Anna. Simeon sees because he's at the temple. He's been waiting at the temple. He received a vision earlier that he would see the Messiah before he died. And so he waits He waits in hope and expectation and faith. He sees Jesus. He he grabs hold of him and draws him close. And then Simeon gives thanks to God for bringing such life and light into the world. Because of that little baby in his arms, because of the coming of the Messiah, there will be peace and glory and salvation. Salvation for Simeon and salvation for everyone else. Anna, too, is there in the temple, night and day, fasting and praying. And so with her trained spiritual eye, she notices Jesus and she can understand. She, too, gives thanks to God and tells others that Jesus is the way to salvation. Simeon and Anna are people whose faith outshines the temple itself. They know to look for God in the flesh. And because of this, they recognize Christ when he comes among them. By showing up, by being open to God's changing and saving grace, by being open to the ongoing revelation of God. How might God be calling us to show up more solidly, more presently, more fully? How might God be calling each one of us to commit more deeply to the place that nurtures us spiritually? What might that look like? 
We read that Anna and Simeon fasted and repented. That is to say, they they admitted that they didn't have all the answers and that left on their own, they'd probably fall into increasing despair at the condition of the world around them and perhaps at their own spiritual condition. But by fasting and penitence, by being open to God's renewable grace, they age, but they grow younger. They become wise, but they even become more open to new thoughts. They slowly move beyond those annoying sins and habits that had threatened to do them in and bog them down. And so what might God be calling you to turn over or walk away from or let go of? And finally, Anna and Simeon know what it is to look for God and God's ongoing revelation. Is God calling you to sharpen your spiritual vision in some way? Perhaps by reading more about the faith, your own faith, perhaps by studying, perhaps by developing new habits of prayer. How might God be calling you to see more clearly so that you'll notice God when God is right in front of you. It's February 2nd, and a lot of people made resolutions for January. Maybe you've kept them, maybe you haven't. But just because it's Super Bowl Sunday and Valentine's Day is coming and Mardi Gras is next, is no reason to start doing again those things maybe you were able to stop doing in January. And so continue on praying for God's grace and God's guidance. In the epistle reading today from the letter to the Hebrews, we're reminded Christ did not come to help angels, but the descendants of Abraham and Sarah. Jesus was made human in every respect so that he might offer all of his humanity to the service of God, clearing the way for us to reach God. That lesson from Hebrews concludes with those beautiful words of hope. Because Christ himself was tested by what he suffered, he is able to help those of us who are being tested, those of us who may suffer Without faith in the light, we're doomed to live in darkness, to be overwhelmed by the politics of our country or the world, to be confounded by changes in climate, by natural disasters or unnatural ones. And we're destined to be terrified by every new strange threat to our health or our well-being. But faith in Jesus Christ shows us a way forward, a way into the light, a way to be saved. Not that we save ourselves, but we we fall into the arms of God and we are saved in this life and into the next. In presenting his own body in the temple, Jesus leads us to present our bodies as well. We present all that we are to God, not just our souls, not our spirits, not our minds, but all of us, so that God might consecrate us and purify us and help us to live more faithfully. In the presentation, we're also reminded of that choice that comes every time we enter the temple, the church, the place of God's presence. Do we look for God with the angels 
Or do we dare to look for God in the broken but healing lives all around us? Finally, as we notice the light on this day, and we're reminded of the source of light, that source of light that burns even on the darkest of days, that God comes to us in this place, in the sacraments, in prayer, and in the outstretched hands of Christian community, do we have the faith to look in the mirror and see the light of Christ? On this Candlemas, may the light of Christ be rekindled in our hearts, that we may shine forth with his love in the world. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.